Welcome to Confidential, a podcast all about confidence, who has it, and how to get it. I'm your host, Hannah Faust. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to discuss life and love, happiness and health, and how we learn to feel great about ourselves. Do you want to dive right in? Sure. Yeah. My parents are the most dead. Mm-hmm. It's good that they're like not um, like 78% dead. Yeah, no, the they're 100% dead. Yeah. Um, I um, I go and visit them at the cemetery where they live. Yeah. Um, how yeah. did they pass? My father died in his sleep out of the blue. Whoa. In June 2018. And um, it's weird that I say the year now, not like, I don't know, like, it's weird that I'm not like last year or six months ago. Like it's now we're now you're getting away from it. I'm getting further away from it. It's so weird. Um, and my mother passed four months later. She just kind of like lost. She had a lot of health problems and then she just like lost her fight after he died because she lost both of her parents, her sister and her husband all in a very close span of time. And she just like, you could just see it and she just, you know there there was only one other person alive that even knew her as a child right like she i think when you lose all of those people it's like oh these are all the people who knew me yeah like who who saw my progress in life who knew who i was as a child and they're all gone and it was just all at once there's no so there's no one to talk to about those memories anymore like they only exist with you yeah and i think that there's such an insane loneliness to that Mm -hmm. and i now really in terms of people I'm there's I have cousins that kind you know remember me from when I was little that I would see a few times a year but in terms of my immediate family I only have my sister Mm. my sister that I was raised with like we just have each other and it's just crazy that like she is pretty much the only person I have to like bounce memories off of right yeah um so anyway god I've never thought about that like not having someone to yeah to bounce those memories off of I'm also someone who um like I have a lot of memory loss I'm only I mean listen I'm only 28 so it's like I only have 28 years of memories anyways and once you subtract like the first three years where you don't remember anything but I had a lot of like mental health struggles in middle school and high school Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that I just don't you just blocked it out yeah I just don't remember Wow. Yeah. Do you think because of it being traumatic or because you were just going through so much stress that you just weren't I think, holding on to stuff? I think a combo. I think this is like not not a funny story to anyone except for me. Okay. <laughs> but I think We it's will put funny. it to the test. <laughs> um, when I was in high school, I had like a lot of attention from older men and I was working at a restaurant and I had a new manager who said something to me that got him fired for sexual harassment whoa and I remember that I was like called into the office I remember that um at the time I was 16 years old and there was a 23 year old man who was like interested in me who was um wait not the manager not the not the manager and there was a 23 year old man who was interested in me and so ironically he's the one who overheard what the manager said to me and went to the higher ups wow it was like I overheard him saying this to her this person is not (laughs) 
innocent. But interesting. I was then they like called me into the office. They called my parents because I was a minor and they fired him. They like went through all these processes. I do not and will not ever remember what he said to me. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Have you considered looking up the 23-year-old? And, well, he's not 23 no. anymore. You've, not, you've never been like, I need no. to know this. It's worth it. To- no, 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 no. I, he's also a person who I, like, don't ever want to speak to again. Because he's gross. Yeah. For other... Yeah, he enough. had his own transgressions later on. Um, so why did he even report it to you? Do you think it was just, like, jealousy? Oh, I think um, maybe. I think maybe he... I think a lot of times those guys see themselves as a good guy. Oh, yeah. You know? One of those. He was was one of those guys that really saw himself as a good guy. Even though when I look back on it, I'm like, ew. (laughs) But also, I'm like, I don't want to know why. It is a little bit funny that you, like, can't remember. There's, like, all of this, like, big dramatic scenario that happened and you, like, have no idea what. No. But you remembered at the time. Yeah. And then just... Um, okay, what just, if I just say a series of things and then if any of them click for you, <laughs> here's one. Where were you working again? I was working at a Max and Irma's. At, where'd you grow up? La Puente. Okay, so this was like a Midwest. Oh, okay. This is like a Midwest chain restaurant that's like um, kind of like a slightly nicer Applebee's equivalent. Okay, so like wings, rolls. Yeah, like you go there after your soccer game with your family. Okay, and this was like a uh okay cool okay so here so here's some ideas of some stuff that he could have said okay okay um oh um can you butter the rolls at table four and also butter mine later no it wasn't that it wasn't that okay try again okay um uh speaking of wings how about the little chicken wing in my pants (laughs) No. No? No. So weird. I know. I feel like I've hit all of them. Yeah, I feel like I think it could so only too. have been one of those two things. I think it could have only been one of those two things. And since I don't recognize it, then my brain just doesn't want me to. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's one more. Okay. okay. Um, uh, you know the Coke product Sprite? Um, my wiener is sprightly and it moves very fast. Mm. Again, no. No? No. That's so weird because that's all dudes say to me. Now, listen, I'm like not making light of sexual harassment. It's very serious. No, it's very, very fucking serious. I'm so glad even with like the bad, even though it was a bad dude that called it in i'm so glad that somebody did no call but it in also and i, didn't have to I deal think more of this, yeah, this actually has a lot to do with your own podcast which is that um people who have been through certain things have the right to joke about them and not everyone yeah. has to like it but this is like an experience <laughs> that happened to me that i think it's very interesting that i can't remember it and yeah. That I feel like, I mean, hey, I I win in the end because I don't I don't hold on to anything from that experience. Mm-hmm. Like I am not like some person that is damaged now because yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it, women experience it all the time. It's like the reality of our lives. It sucks, but it's true. We are taught from such a young age to like learn to have thick skin about that shit. Oh yeah. I started getting sexually assaulted when I was six. Oh my god. By another student. Wow. And it continued through all of elementary school. Um, it was this kid. His name was CJ. Um, and he would, like, grope me and Ugh. make me not tell. Um, and then it just continued my whole childhood. Um, and then, and like, I also wasn't seen as very attractive in La Puente, in, like, high school and middle school. I 
had a lot of, I guess, like identity issues, like self image issues, um, because of it. Um, it was also very confusing to be like sexualized by some family members and Mm -hmm. be assaulted by adults, but then Mm -hmm. not have like any boys at school be interested in me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you felt that like, I, th- I think that women, many women have been through yeah. some sort of that experience. It's so weird. Um, yeah. So, th- so, but yeah, but the reason why I can joke about it is because yes, I've been, um, sexually assaulted many times. Um, it sucks. I try to explain it to like straight dudes. Um, the way that we as women, like uh, when we were kids, we were taught to fear the male ego. Right. Like, I remember learning that, not in a matter of words, it's not a verbal lesson we receive, but, mm-hmm. like, we are taught from before we even hit kindergarten to be afraid of a man's ego, to be afraid of the power of, like, them feeling rejected. Right. I knew from such a young age to not, um, you know, to be gentle in the way that I treat men because I could get physically hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, when I was prepubescent, knew to fear being raped. Mm. Like... That is fucking insane. Yeah. I am a mom. I have a four-year-old. The things that I had to knew had to know when I was four and five, thank God I've never had to teach her that stuff. Yeah. How do, I mean, how do you approach that? Like, that's, I mean, she's so young, but she won't be for so long. Have you thought about that at all? Yeah. I, I started teaching her consent when she was two. Oh, incredible. I just started, to, it just like in the simplest form, just like hugs. Mm-hmm. You do not have to hug anybody. No. She does not have to hug adults. And there, and I, not that long ago, one of my best friends, her roommate who she vouched for and it was a very good friend of hers. Um, I met him. He seemed nice enough. And this guy um, met her. They got, you know, was being very nice, being like friendly towards a child. Not that it's that hard to do. And then um, when we went to leave, he was like, uh, he was like, cool, can I get a hug? And she turned toward me and she was like, oh, I don't want to. And I was like, okay, babe, you don't have to. Do you want to give a high five? Because I do generally offer like, okay, do you want to do a high five? And if she doesn't want to, I'm like, okay, do you want to wave? Like we just get more and more distant with our Mm -hmm. options. And then I was like, okay, do you want to give a high five? And she turned around to give a high five and he just grabbed her and hugged her. No. And I was like, I needed to leave because I was like, I'll rip his head clean off. Like you can't, I I don't know what part of you thinks that that behavior is okay. If you were to do that to a grown woman, you'd get punched in the face. Why would you do it to a child? That's insane. Yeah. And did you say anything to him? I I was so stunned in the moment and I kicked myself after for not saying anything. I was so stunned and I like, I was like, okay, we're leaving and then left and got in the car. And then I just like stopped and like took a breath and was like, Hey babe, I know you already know this, but you never need to hug anyone. You don't want to hug. Right. Good for you. And, and just the other, I mean, two days ago, I, some guy sat next to her and called her sweetie. And I was like, if someone calls you sweetie, babe, and it's not somebody you know and love and are comfortable with, um, you say, I have a name and it's Amelia. Yeah. Or you don't even need to say your name. I have a name. Mm -hmm. No one should be calling you sweetie. And you know what? People don't usually do that to little boys. Right. But you shouldn't be doing it to any kid. 
But it's yeah. insane that like some of these, the way that you speak to kids would be gender specific. God, that is so crazy. My, one of my best friends has a one-year-old boy and I'm always calling him nicknames and they're never sweetie. No. They're never sweetie. They're always and like, also, this up, is a child man? you know. Yeah. Oh, like, this is a child I have known since and that's she told why me there are that nicknames. she was pregnant. Like, yeah. Yeah. I would never call another kid sweetie. Like a kid I don't know. I would say bud yeah hey friend yeah <laughs> because God. I don't know their name and I'm not going to remember every kid's name but um, it's so hard because you know something I think about a lot is um the concept that whenever you have a thought that is um or like an an instinct to do something and then right afterward you're like whoa that's not right why did I do that the that instinct or like that thought is your conditioning and mm-hmm. then the reaction to that is um how you truly feel so like I apply that all the time like I apply that if I'm walking alone at night and I'm and I grip my keys because I see a black man and walking on the other side of the street and then I say to myself hey I what I didn't like that like I just made a judgment on that person based on race I think a lot of people um it's important to like track that and remember I have these I have these biases that are in me but as long as I always step back and say hey why didn't I like why did I think that that shouldn't be it that you know that is who you really are and that's who you should focus on and like try and push against those things yeah and I think about that a lot sometimes with um like bodily consent mm-hmm. I'm someone who really wants children and I like fantasize about being pregnant mm-hmm. all the time I want to have like a litter of kids I really want to be pregnant like I'm like I just I imagine myself myself like pregnant in so many situations all the time and I think um pregnant women lose so much agency you've been pregnant you can mm-hmm. speak to this but like I imagine getting on an elevator and someone like touching my stomach and being horrified but also that's like because I would never do that to a non-pregnant person I would never do that to a man I would never do that to I would never just go up to a person I don't know and even somebody I know I think before I even ask yeah I would never like I would always ask first but even if it's somebody I know I'm like is it weird if I ask to touch that belly right now yeah I remember when I was pregnant and it was somebody that I did know but we were not we had a very it was like my ex's sister-in-law and she was a little she was a little loca and she just I don't know what her situation was I don't understand but she came up to me when I was pregnant she knew I was pregnant and she was like oh my god can I feel and I was like uh sure I was still really small and she just started to like squeeze my belly really hard it was so weird and then just like move it around she's like oh yeah there's a baby (gasps) in there I was like and I was too shy to be like and also not wanting to ruffle feathers in the family if this was like a stranger yeah or not my in-laws I would have been like okay enough of that Mm-hmm. But like because it's in-laws, you you know, you want Politeness. you want everything to be smoothed over and everything to be good and you're never you never want to be the cause of the drama. So I just like sat there and just waited for it to end and I wanted so badly to be like get your chewed up fingernail ass <laughs> fucking <laughs> your your weird fucking hands off my belly. Yeah. Immediately. 
belly. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. But touching pregnant ladies' bellies is it all. The other thing about being pregnant and being a new mom is you really are treated like you're not a contributing member of society. Oh, no. no. It's so weird. Like you're looked at and talked about as though you don't matter anymore. Like you are just a host for a baby mm. and you then you have a child and like no one expects anything of you but mm. they also expect everything, everything of you yeah but you're like n- I, you're no longer an individual oh god it's insane it's such a hard and it just all of that shit is just like it it truly adds to you already going through a huge body transition right um already feeling like oh i am a milk farm like mm-hmm. i i am a dairy cow um and your hormones are all over the place Ugh, all over the place and then on top of it people are genuinely like treating you like you don't exist you become right. invisible right I this this particular friend of mine um Sydney who has the baby she's so young she's she's 23 when she had Jasper and she's so capable and so mature mm-hmm. and her and her husband are killing it they're like yes. such good parents but they're also really fun I mean Sydney's a model and a performer and um, a like creative partner of mine and Adam is in a band and you know Jasper comes to all the shows and all the parties oh, and like he's so rad he's always they've always got parties at their house like he's so cool um, and so everyone loves this baby and yeah. everyone is so they're the only member of their friends that have a baby and we're all enamored by him he's so cute he's so perfect you know how people are and um, I was with her at a party and sh- she said something she ran into someone and um they were like, yeah, come to this thing, bring the baby. And she joked and she was like, you know, I am my own person without the baby. And in that moment I was like, oh my God, do I make sure to not treat her differently since she's become a mom? Yeah. Good and for I've been trying to be that. really conscious of that ever mm-hmm. since because it's hard because I, my instincts are that I really want to support her because she's young and her and her husband like both hustle to pay the bills Mm -hmm. and she wants to have a social life and you know her like like Jasper really struggles with like you know not being around mom and dad and so I'm always just trying to do whatever I can since he's familiar with me to help out Mm -hmm. but then I realized that like whenever I do that I'm like oh yeah bring the baby bring the baby no big deal like I think I'm helping like to her that might sound like um, like, like I'm not offering her an identity outside of that. And granted, she's one of my very close friends and I trust that she would talk to me about that if it was right, true, right, right. but I still want to be like proactive about it and be conscious about it. That's so amazing that you're considering that even, um, I think being like a close friend, it's less, yeah, less of a risk that she would just be like hiding this, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's for me, I, I personally, and I, I, I just struggled more with like society with mm-hmm. just like people that were you know several degrees outside of my right my close friend group but yeah I mean it's especially being young I was 25 when I had Amelia oh wow yeah so I was quite young um and I didn't see myself as being that young at the time I knew realistically like oh I didn't plan on having a child at 25 mm-hmm. I thought like 32 was a prime time mm-hmm. to have a kid um and then it just it just happened she was not planned um but we were so excited from that. I found out at five weeks. Oh, wow. That's so early. So early. So, you know, and I am pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And if I 
didn't want her, I would have had an abortion. Right. If I didn't feel emotionally or physically capable of being a mom, then I would have chosen to have an abortion. Um, But from the second I peed on that stick, there was just something. And I had an abortion when I was a teenager. Oh, really? And so I've like felt the difference. I've felt like when I found out I was pregnant as a teenager, I never thought I would ever be the type of person to have an abortion before Mm -hmm. that. I was always pro-choice, but personally felt like I never would. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, so I had an abortion in high school. And from the second I found out I was pregnant, I just never connected to that child at all. And I don't think it was just age. I think there's just something, I mean, this sounds like a bit flighty, but there is just something in you that like connects or doesn't connect it just never felt like that was a baby to me oh yeah it I never mean, did yeah my my like spiritual beliefs are like no yeah no that wasn't yeah it was yeah. just never it was never meant meant to be and it just never it truly never felt like a child inside of me yeah it just and felt like a pregnancy Amelia which is at something that happens weeks. to your body <laughs> yeah just something that it's just a fertilized eggs it's just a period yeah that was fertilized like that's all it felt like and it just needed to be taken gone. care of, just needed mm-hmm. to be gone. Um, and with Amelia, like at five weeks, she was like not even, she was like a grain of rice. She mm-hmm. was just the tiniest little dot. And she was just immediately my baby. Mm. And I don't, and I was still 25. I was still young, yeah. still way too young to become a mom in my personal belief, like right. in, in my eyes of like most 25 year olds, way too young to become a mom. Mm-hmm. But I like, oh man, I'm so fucking good at it. It's hard when you're young and people are really condescending. Older yeah. women are very condescending. Oh, I bet. Um, and just really feel like you must just be sitting around waiting for an older woman to tell you what to do. <laughs> I believe it or not, was not. I fucking yeah. figured it out. And yeah. I'm killer at being a mom. Um, yeah, but you do have to, on top of all the hormones, you just feel like I lost so much confidence mm. when I... Uh, and I'd, I'd finally like found my confidence not long before getting pregnant. Um, when I moved to New York was when I really like discovered myself. Oh really? How old were you? I was 24 then. Oh wow. So 24 when I was living in New York and I started to kind of like feel out who I am and I'd been working. I moved out when I was a teenager. I was, uh, 18 or 19, I think 19 and out of the, out of my parents' house and was working from when I was 17. And, and but it but when I was 24 was when I kind of started to like slide into who I am mm-hmm. and then about 27 was when I was like this yeah I mean I'll always grow but like it will essentially just be more of this bitch like <laughs> <laughs> this is it yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and and I of course I want to do self-work for the rest of my life when yeah. I'm 90 I'm sure I'll still be like giving myself new mantras but right. um it will just be this bitch still like, yeah 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 I love that. That's amazing. I feel like my timeline. Well, I mean, I got, um, how old was I when I got sober? How old am I now? I'm 28. I'm about to hit five years. So I was 23 when I got sober, um, which is young. That is really young. Yeah, it's young. And it's a funny dichotomy because when you're sober, you're like not a fully realized human. So, or when you're not, when you need to be sober and you're not sober, you're mm-hmm. not a fully realized human. Right. You're not, okay, yeah. you're not functioning yeah. like a normal, um, 
whole adult. Mm -hmm. So you're behind the curve in Mm -hmm. many ways. But then once you get sober, there's this realization and this growth and this like peeling away of the layers and understanding who you are, where not only are you like making up for that distance, but then somehow you're like ahead of the curve. And it's, you're just kind of always like, toggling back and forth forever Mm -hmm. but yeah so I became an entirely different person starting when I was 23 because I had spent you know almost 20 years of my life at that point spending every single day like trapped in a raging addiction which was my eating disorders and it was like all day every day like all the energy that I could have used to be growing up was you know put towards that it was like vacuumed out by that and so then I just became an entirely different person. And I always joke with my friends now, I'm like, you wouldn't recognize me like if you knew me when I was 23. And most of my friends now, I would say besides Elena, who's my best friend from home, and then some people I still keep in touch with from high school, that all of my friends now are like post-sobriety. And I'm always like, LOL, you guys would lose your minds if you met me so back when then. you when you say sobriety do you mean you don't mean from alcohol or so I don't drink alcohol as a um when I got abstinent in my because I'm in a 12-step program for my eating disorders and so when I got abstinent I like tried a couple times and then I figured out that I used alcohol despite that I'm not an alcoholic, I really used it to like help out my eating disorder. Right. It would, I would be super bulimic when I was hungover because it's like, no one's going to question you if you're super hungover and you're throwing up after everything that you eat. And then it was easier to be like very restrictive when I was drunk. Yeah. And um, yeah, very like binge or bulimic when I was hungover. And so it was just like a nice way to like cover it up. Cause that was always my thing is like, I never got, I never fluctuated in weight too much where anyone would ever be able to notice that something was wrong. Like keep it, like keep it private, keep it in, which is how I was able to do it for so long. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped drinking then in association with that because I was like this is not going I just like can't do it without quitting drinking as well right and right. now I use the terms interchangeably because usually w- like in program we use the term abstinent but people are like you don't have sex and I'm like no 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 but like abstinent from compulsive eating yeah behaviors but then I also like my sobriety date when I stopped doing those behaviors is the same date that I stopped drinking Right. Yeah. Because that was when you, I, I, I do feel like, um, disorder or no disorder, mm-hmm. compulsive behavior or not when you are, and this may not be true for everybody, but I, I stopped drinking in October Amazing. and I started to just feel that I had developed a sort of unhealthy relationship with alcohol. It didn't make me mean, it didn't make me, um, I wasn't drinking during the day. I wasn't drinking when I shouldn't be, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, all a- appropriate amounts of alcohol for a 29 year old mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was making me hangovers were making me impatient and mm-hmm. the hormonal sort of like up and down that you ex- like, and the chemical up and down you experience from drinking wasn't adding to my life anymore. Yeah. Uh, anymore as if it ever did, but like, <laughs> uh, I, and I think that grief was a huge part of this. Mm. Um, and I, alcohol had a, had a huge position in like my grieving life, my ability to 
actually grieve a little bit or escape my grief mm-hmm. was using alcohol heavily um, in, in a similar way to what you were just describing. Right. Where like they kind of like were going hand in hand. They had a relationship mm-hmm. with each other. Um, and I've slipped up and I've, um, and, and also like during the holidays, I allowed myself to have some wine right. and no hard alcohol and New Year's Eve, I was off my tits. <laughs> um, so I haven't been great at it, but like my relationship with alcohol has changed drastically yeah. where I don't have glasses of wine during the week. I don't, right. and I don't need to go out on the weekends to like you know, uh, de-stress or decompress in any way, because that's how, that's the bond that I sort of had with alcohol was that I think it's really easy as a mom to fall into that as well. Mm -hmm. Or just any person, if you have a job of stress, just like I need to decompress a glass of wine is part of that. Right. And I, I don't think that that was helpful to me at all. Yeah. It's interesting because when I am in, I am someone who doesn't drink, but like, like I'm out till 5am. Like I'm an extrovert. I am like being around people is like my drug. (laughs) I love to dance. I love to hang out with my friends. Like I'm still someone that's out all the time. And so my friends either have a tendency to forget that I don't drink or like, for example, on new year's, I was leaving the place where I was at like four in the morning, which was like not intentional. I was like, I'm going to go to bed (laughs) at a reasonable hour. And this girl who I had just met that night, who I I had been at this like house party since like eight. And (laughs) we were like really marathoning it. And I went to leave and this girl that I had met that night was like, I was like, okay, night guys. And I had my keys and she was like, are you good? And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes to drive. And I was like, oh, I don't drink alcohol. And she was like, oh, like you've been... Oh, okay. You've been having Great. this Good for much you. fun sober. Good for you. Weird. God bless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people always, they like, there's a lot of follow-up questions most yes. of the time. There's a lot of follow-up I questions. Know. And I would say now the reason that I continue to not drink is different than the reason that I stopped. The reason mm-hmm. that I stopped was because, like, I was really trying to tackle an issue that was permeated in into my brain. And now I'm just like, um, it's poison. Yeah. It's, it's really not good for our bodies. I, when I, when I like had a little, gave myself a little bit of alcohol during the holidays Mm -hmm. when I was like, you know what? One, the holidays are really, really tough for me because of my parents being dead and being a single mother and, um, you know, celebrating things that I, I wish I was seeing, you know, I, her dad and Mm -hmm. her grandparents that she loves so much from either side there for the holidays like how many amazing Christmases does a a child get right um and so it was partly because it was hard and also just because I love Christmas so much and Mm -hmm. I want all the holiday things I want you know I want to have some mulled wine I want to do that um and then by by the time it was over I was like wow that added nothing Mm, yeah that was really telling to go through the holidays and uh and and give myself alcohol again I was like why did I do that I was so I got so happy when I stopped drinking I just felt more balance in my day and more drive um and so yeah so that was a good lesson for me I guess yeah um I, I just don't think alcohol does anything good it also does contribute to like a lot of anxiety and a lot of insecurity and um I'm just trying to live a life where I really mitigate how much that Mm -hmm. is like part of getting sober for me is figuring out that I'm someone who's really prone to depression and anxiety and I always have been and it just sat untreated and I guess it 
maybe it sat treated by a bunch of eating disorders, but it really sat untreated. And and now as an adult, I know that I'm super prone to those things. And it's like, they're terrible. And I don't want to do anything that's going to contribute to them. Yeah. I also am prone to anxiety and depression. And it's crazy how, how many people use alcohol to like manage their anxiety and depression. Which is crazy because every single person, the biggest relief that I got when I stopped drinking was I didn't have any more anxiety spirals, like shame spirals during my hangovers. Oh my God, shame spirals? (sighs) Everyone has shame spirals during their hangovers. And I thought it was just me. I was like, oh my God, they're so bad. Me too. I'm so relieved now that I don't have them anymore. When I read about them. But now when I talk to people, everyone has them. Yeah. I, I like... It, it changed my life when mm-hmm. I read that like shame hangovers are because I read a thing that just like explained hangovers. I don't know why I was reading it, probably because I was hungover and I was trying to figure out how <laughs> to like, not help. be hungover. And I was like, help. I remember that I was, I remember, I mean, it was when I was still in my marriage because I remember that I like we woke up in bed and I was reading this thing. I was probably dying from a hangover. And then I read like, how does the shame hangover happen? And I was like, what? What? This happens to other people? It's a thing. Because I thought I was drinking so much that I thought it was just, I know I thought it was just like what I experienced you know the like overthinking and it is to an extent but overthinking every single thing you said oh my god just being like everyone hates me I hate myself I hate myself for every single thing I did last night oh my god um just beating yourself down for hours like every second Mm -hmm. for hours I don't ever want to fucking do that to myself ever again. Oh, it's such wasted energy. Mm -hmm. It's such wasted energy. I mean, gives you wrinkles. I (laughs) (laughs) I have, um, I think that I've, you know, I've been seeing my therapist consistently for six years now and like, God love that woman. I love her so much. Um, and I've really learned so much about myself by doing that. And one of the things that I've learned is how much wasted energy I spend on things that are not helpful to me mm-hmm. and even as someone who's been in therapy for six years and has come a really long way on so so many fronts oh, yeah obviously it's you've... like my 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 brain is finding other ways to waste the energy yes on still I like totally, today yesterday yes. tomorrow mm-hmm. there's there's always something for me to waste my energy finding on. something to stress about Ugh. I hate that about my brain where I feel like them at the I feel like I can recall that at my happiest moments in my life, I was like so afraid that it was all going to come crashing down. Ooh, yeah. I was so, I remember like sitting up in terror, looking at my husband, like terrified he was going to die. Oh. Just terrified he was going to die in a plane crash. He was a musician, so he would travel. And I would just, and I remember, I remember a couple times like waking him up like from dreams and being like, I had a dream that you died on your motorcycle. And I was just screaming in the middle of the street at the accident. Like I... And I've gotten so much better. And I also take Lexapro. Uh, God bless it. God bless Lexapro. Um, I only started taking that like six months ago. Um, oh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. The Antidepressant Club is one of my favorites that I'm a part of. <laughs> it is so far, I think, maybe my favorite club. Uh, it changed my life. I, you know what? The first thing I thought once it started to kick in was I cannot believe I have been living with this much anxiety because I take it for anxiety. I cannot believe I've been living with anxiety since I was 10. Yes. Younger. But 10 was when I remember it becoming such a bad problem that I was going to the doctor and they were saying, Mm. oh, allergies. Allergies. Fucking allergies. To what? Because my face was twitching nonstop. My eyes were, were blinking. I like I had compulsive issues where I was like physical. I had physical like 
compulsive issues of like holding saliva in my mouth because I was I was afraid of the bacteria in the air and then going and spitting it out and washing my hands so much that like my fingers were like losing their skin and my knuckles were losing their skin I had such severe because I had um a lot of childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and I think that's maybe where I mean it may just be chemical it may just be my brain but I also can see how as a young child I showed some of these behaviors um the washing the hands thing like I watched my biological father stab my biological mother and she lived but I watched the knife go all the way through her hand and like saw and then he was just like rinsing it off with a garden hose and just was like red water all over the front yard um things like that like a lot of things like that that's not an isolated incident that's insane yeah so I was adopted after that not after that specific thing but I was adopted yeah so my biological father's parents who I'd always lived with and always known they like took me in and raised me and then and adopted my sister and me but it was I can see how because there was also there's also a long history of like mental illness in my family on my biological father's side obviously he's a fucked up individual yeah um and uh I can see how my mother that adopted me my mother that raised me how she would like be so hesitant to like get me help, how she would be so crippled with fear of me mm-hmm. having a problem <sighs> that, sh- that I just couldn't get help. And I, and for a while I was really angry about that. I was really angry that like she couldn't give me the love and support that I needed to like get on an antidepressant, yeah. get on something to help with my anxiety. When I told her, I told her at one point that I wanted to kill myself and she she gave me a lecture about how future employers would look up my medical record and not hire me if there were antidepressants on it. No. Oh, I hate that. And and I I don't think she was trying to be mean. She was no, obviously misinformed. She was super misinformed. And feeling like she was powerless. Yeah. And I think some people when they feel powerless, it just makes them you know, it just they end up giving off really reactive energy. I something I've worked on with my therapist a lot is forgiving well striking the balance between um when people in your life hurt hurt you because Mm -hmm. they do the wrong thing yeah but you can empathize with them and you can be like wow I really understand why you did that even though it was the wrong thing I I get where you were coming from yeah like striking the right balance between being like um empathizing with them and understanding but also having the right to be very angry yes like people fail you and everyone I remember telling my therapist my former therapist who I love like I left her purely because she was eight million dollars an hour Mm. um but she is like and she's a fucking saint she's incredible um uh and and was very good for like right after my marriage but mm-hmm. I reached a point where I was like I've done a year with you I need to like take a yeah, break yeah, yeah. um put I on, remember put myself on a budget I need to put myself on a <laughs> bit of a budget legit yeah. like <laughs> god how much she was like 250 dollars an hour wow that's a lot and she was like I need to see you twice a week and I was like um, um you fucking won't <laughs> um and god I love Barb so much and um I do remember one time talking about my mother and my father and some and some trauma that I'd been through and I was like you know she was doing the best she could they were doing the best that they could with the tools that they were given she'd been through so many of her own traumas many traumas that were way worse than anything I went through that she wouldn't even tell me about like I know that that woman went through Mm -hmm. hell and still loved me so much in her Mm -hmm. own way and Barb was like of course, 
we are all doing the best we can, but you still have to have compassion for that little girl. She was like, the way that you talk about some of your past, it's like you're talking about someone else. Like that's you. You're that little girl. Rue just came out from under the couch. Rue just want to join us? Rue. I bet I forgot you were here. Um, There you go. He needs a haircut. He's He's getting one on Monday. He always looks like um, an 80s business lady after he gets a haircut because they fluff out his ears. So it's like real (laughs) triangular. Right now he just looks like an old man. I know. Like a mix between Falcor and Donald Sutherland. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've heard Richard Dreyfuss before. I don't know who that is. What? You don't know who Richard Dreyfuss is? I know the name, and I bet if I saw his face, I would. Well, back in his heyday, he was Mm -hmm. the guy from Jaws, so he was like the rough and tumble. Oh, yeah. um, Jaws the movie. Jaws the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sharks. Which I saw on Mushrooms, so I only like, um, like, I I can't tell you a lot of detail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I know he's like, he's like the like Great. fisherman that comes to the town. He comes to the rescue to the he, beach. Town. Yeah, I think he fights the shark. Um, he's not the guy whose face was like so melty. And I gotta what? go. Listen, I gotta go back and watch it because everyone was like, "I think you're feeling that way because you're on mushrooms." And I was like, "No, no." His face is melty, and you'll will be off mushrooms, and you'll see what I'm saying. I don't think anyone will. <sighs> this was like two years ago. I need to go back and like. <laughs> and be like all of you you see what i say <laughs> and it is right jaws is almost unwatchable to me because i have a a very a, a very real phobia of sunken metal and sunken metal sunken metal not afraid of sharks not afraid of any living thing in the ocean not afraid of anything what are you afraid that sunken metal is going to do i to you? i cannot I nothing I know it's not going to do anything to me but if I even imagine like in a dream if somehow I touch sunken metal like my whole body freezes like I, I don't know what I need to see some I've thought about getting hypnotized it's so bad oh, you should I really I it's don't so it's just so it's weird. so stressful to even talk about it but I'm afraid to get hypnotized because I'm afraid they're going to bring up sunken stuff and I'm just even just the thought of me being in terror when I'm not conscious is terrifying um but uh in when they were filming Jaws, I learned this at Universal Studios, obviously, okay. um, on the backlot tour. <laughs> when they were filming it, they lost like several of the sharks, or one or two of the sharks, like floated to the sunk. To the, they um, they sunk to the bottom of the ocean. To the bottom of the ocean. Oh, <laughs> the it's like such a problem. The, anim- the animatronic, the animatronic thingies. metal shark. Well, that's environmentally irresponsible. It's irresponsible. <laughs> You know what? They should have used real sharks. <laughs> that's not environmentally that's irresponsible. Not envi- that's not It's better for the earth. Um, but like just that. I'm not afraid of just sharks. I'm that. afraid of the metal. So you you hate the idea of a sunken ship. Uh, yep. I am dying to know where this comes from. Oh, I remember the first time I felt it, if that helps at all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it doesn't help anything. No, no, we're going to figure this out. you want to know. Okay. I was um, a child. I was five. And my kindergarten class, because I'm from LA, my kindergarten class uh, went to the Queen Mary for a feel. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling nauseous. Went to the Queen Mary. (laughs) I'm going to force you through this because it's so bad. God, whoever's listening to this, like, please don't, as a gag, send me (laughs) photos of sunken stuff. Like, I I will literally fuck up my whole week. Um, Okay. I um I was on the Queen Mary, not afraid of haunted stuff, right? At all, not afraid right. of ghosts. Never been afraid of ghosts. Um, and we're going through the halls, you know. They're getting the tour. I remember, 
Um, not much about it. Just like, you know, people were afraid of the ghosts on it. And I was like, I hope we see oh, hell yeah. dead kids on this fucking shit. Yeah, I'm on, I'm so on your sick. wavelength. I want to see him and I want to talk to him and play games with them. Yeah. I think that's normal. And then we walk into this room. Uh, we're like, you know, getting to the bottom of the boat. We walk into this like little half circle like walk through that's uh where you can see all the water on the bottom of the boat oh yeah and just something struck me with fear i don't i and i just remember that there was like a green greenish blue light coming up from the bottom mm-hmm. of the water so that you could see how much right. water was there and they had a little like scuba diver model in there and just something like destroyed me and I like could barely move and I like went against the back wall and then I ran out of there as fast as I could because I didn't even want to walk around the other kids if they were close to the railing I just waited and then I ran out of there and like hugged this like bullet that was larger than me it was like a oh uh-huh you know like yeah. a battle yeah, yeah yeah battle bullet right and I like hugged it and I was like and I just burst into tears and since then it's just gotten progressively worse I have it I have the answer okay you um died on the Titanic in a past life it this theory fits it does check out you have like a vintage look (laughs) you have like a like an international essence (laughs) Uh, no one's ever told me that you're wearing a beret I am wearing a beret for the boys and girls at home you fully died on the titanic i fully died on i had a psychic tell me that i died on a boat and oh uh, yeah well 100 yeah. percent, it was the titanic it maybe it's i deeply believe this terif- <laughs> it is terrifying <laughs> and it's like i if i come across a photo like in a You're like no 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 i it's it, it like there's a part of me that like needs to see it and it's so I, I will, like, not sleep for a week. Listen, I will, like, throw you a bone in that it is inherently creepy. I remember I went, I grew up in Ohio, and we went to, we went up to, a like, an island on, in Michigan, on, like, Lake Erie for a vacation weekend one time, and this particular lake has, like, all these, like, sunken ships in it that you can see if you're, like, on a boat, and you can sort of, like, see them, and so oh we God. went and, like, looked at them, and I was like, ooh. Like, it is inherently creepy, but... But nothing creeps me out. Not like I am. Ugh. I'm. I'm. I'm the queen of creepy shit. Like I saw. Um, what's that? What's that awful like shark movie? Um, Sharknado. No, with <laughs> the one that Mandy Moore was in. It was like forty feet under or something. I have no idea. Oh, is it the one where like they get a ba- the boat leaves or something? Yeah, the boat like, leaves them. Like they're in like a shark cage. Okay. Where you know they like lower you down and you swim with sharks. Um, and then it, it like falls and they fall to the bottom of the oh. ocean. And so they're like just trapped down there with like their masks or whatever in the cage. Yeah. It was like a real shit horror movie, but then even better, <laughs> they made a sequel. So I didn't see the original with Mandy Moore. I saw the sequel who has like no one in it except for Aiden from sex in the city playing like some dad. So it's like, a, it's like different, <laughs> okay. different people. It's the most garbage movie you've ever seen in your life. It's terrible. Okay. And I saw, I like, um, I had this like guy that I was, man, we won't go there. Uh, okay. Okay. We, we went okay. to go see this like shit movie on a date and it was especially because I love horror. That's like my genre. And mm-hmm. so I was like, yes, let's see it. It's going to be so bad. And, um, one of the girls, so it's like these girls go 
scuba diving in these like Mayan ruins that are like under the cenotes. She can't handle it. She can't take it. it the ruins aren't that bad. Like ruin itself is a worse word than I know. Okay. Because like, if it's just like stone. It's stone. Fine. It's not metal. Stone is fine. Like it's still a little like it freaks me out a little bit. I'm worried I'm going to see some other stuff. But like I'm totally like I want to go see the like museum underwater. I'm going to Mexico in March and I oh, want to. chic. Like I I'm fine with that. It's just the metal. Uh-huh. Anyway, go on. Yeah, it's just no, the ruins. Like I the just am getting nervous. Okay. Was, yeah. Just okay. wondering how, although there is like one of the girls like drowns and it was a very, it was the first time I'd ever seen a realistic drowning on, mm. in a movie. And I was like, uh, uh, oh, I mean, it has that, if it was a realistic drowning, it was a realistic, it was a realistic drowning and it like was, it really bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was so like it's not like loud and splashy like you think no. it is it's mm-hmm. not it's just all of a sudden like bye mm-hmm. yeah it's, I didn't like that it's just you're not breathing but anymore. other than that I had the time of my life in, in this <laughs> trash movie I do love trashy horror movies I mean I like really good ones all too but it. trashy ones are also just so all the horror I don't all like, the time I don't have any interest in something like Sharnado be- Sharknado because it's like designed to be bad yeah i wouldn't necessarily call that a horror film either it's like doesn't or just fit any in the movie genre that, like, like i like bad movies unless it's like oh you're trying to make it bad or do you know what i mean right right yeah. right yeah um, but just yeah really cheesy horror movies are so fun oh i mean anything the yeah. good the bad everything in between i love it i love being scared i love it i go to like extreme immersive things i'm like an actor in in, in extreme immersive things Ooh. I love it all. In like, have you done like the knots like horror? I haven't gone to those, but I've done like the probably the most common thing that people know is called blackout, and I it's like an extreme haunted house, and I haven't done that specifically because they're like uh, they're like scheduling is kind of difficult, but like equivalents of Mm -hmm. that where it's like you're just low-key being like tortured in a warehouse for two hours, and there's like a story. I have wanted to do that. It's really since fun. I was in high school because I used to go to Not Scary Farm mm. every year and I like love it. I have a funny story. I'm I'm sure we're wasting so much time. Oh my god, I don't care. About. Okay, so far everyone I've talked to, I'll I'll be like an hour in and I'm like, so you're confident, huh? <laughs> so you're Whatever. Confident, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) that's how it's gone so far okay quick story that you can absolutely cut from this and I won't be offended if you cut anything um but I was at not scary farm and we were in one of the mazes I love I fucking love the mazes. oh yeah I love that you're into that live for that shit if you ever want a buddy I'll go oh my god a thousand percent I haven't done any of the like the horror nights the hayride like nothing I haven't done any of that standard stuff do not waste your energy on the hayride okay great I love that you're my resource for this because Mm -hmm. I'm so ingrained in like like the underground shit where you're like someone emails you and is like meet on this corner at 7 30 and then you get a hood thrown over your head that Whoa. I like haven't done any of the like normal you haven't done the mainstream stuff. ones yeah I so do want to do me. one of those very oh, much. we will trade resources baby okay. yes please the not scary farm I've heard it's it, it kind of like was getting a little weak for a while there but I've heard they've stepped it the fuck up in yeah. the last couple years uh the Universal Studios one complete opposite used to be like the scariest shit you could go to and now it's yeah. like They've like relaxed a bunch. Um, so not scary farm. I was, Oh, I can hear the ice cream man. Oh, I know. We have like three competing ice cream trucks that go through this neighborhood. One of them comes at night and it's, there is something very like 
dark about it that I don't like. There's an ice cream man. Okay, when I was a kid, I'll get back to this story because okay. you you need to know this that when I was a kid, there was an ice cream man who had a push cart mm-hmm. that um, was carrying a dead child inside of it. For how long? Weeks. Weeks. The child was in there, and he was selling ice cream from it with a what's dead the kid. What's the ba- What's the backstory? He's like there? he just killed a kid and kept and hid her inside his ice cream thing. He was like this. This is where you ice grew up? Ice cream man killer. Yeah. Oh my, I, I, as soon as you leave here, I'm Googling this and I'm learning everything about it. And then I'm going to find all the, po- I'm like really into true crime shit too. too. And so I'm going to find mm-hmm. every podcast episode about it. Uh, I can't yeah. believe I've never heard of this before. It was insane. How did he get caught? Um, I don't know. Maybe I, uh, I can't remember. I'm sure I knew at the time, like a kid saw it and ran away or something like that. But yeah, the poor he child. Some the dead one or the kid who saw it. Um, eh, I don't know which one got the worst end of the stick there. No, I'm Hard kidding. To say. <laughs> Literally nobody knows. No one knows. <laughs> um, okay, not scary farm. Okay, I was in line for one of the mazes. It was at the bumper cars, and um, there were all of these like haunted like ghost cheerleaders oh, in cool. the line in like the first part of it. Um, just. Just ghost cheerleaders. Nothing Mm -hmm. more to it than that, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were all, like, really, like, kind of crazy looking. And I think they were all, like, big girls. Mm -hmm. And, like, this guy behind me goes up to one and kisses her on the mouth. Like, grabs Mm -hmm. her and kisses her. And I'm furious. I'm so fucking mad that this happened. And I, like, stop. And he goes in front of me. I let him keep going because I was, like going to report or ask yeah. you know the performer how they were doing or whatever and the cheerleader just froze and then just when jokes on him I'm a dude <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay it was you the have, most instant you have no idea how much I appreciate this story because I have been in an actor in those situations mm-hmm. where I had to shut a game down because a guy grabbed my tits, oh! like corner, shoved me I in just a corner, got chills to me. shoved me so in a corner, angry. grabbed my tits. I was, oh my God. I was, I used to work at this um, escape room where there were actors in the room and it was horror themed and it was really scary. Yeah. And essentially like what I think happened and what everyone at the time think happened is that the owners were like pushing business and put the um, place on Groupon. Seems fine, right? But the thing is, is that people were buying it on Groupon and they were like not going to the website and reading the rules. And we had a ton of situations in a row of people like treating their actors like shit they were showing up drunk they were showing up like just wasted high like just thinking that they were gonna have a good time and like not taking it seriously and I had to like after after this happened this happened on my 25th birthday I was so mad I was like it was like a Sunday night my birthday was on Monday and I was like uh working as a character who you can sit back and watch them on the cameras until they get to the proper point where they like come into the new room and interact with you mm-hmm. and so I was like oh my gosh I was like I was like oh 11 59 like I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and it's gonna be my birthday and then like as soon as this guy like sees me he like shoves me up against a wall and like grabs my tits because he's like drunk and thinks he's being funny and at the time they didn't have enough 
like release points for the actor. So I had to like, I had to stay in there locked in a room with him until they could get the proper key and interrupt the game and like come in and, and get me out. Oh and my afterward God. they obviously immediately went in and like fixed all of that, but it was so awful. What did they do with the guy? I mean, we kicked them out and we were like, you can never come ever again. And he just kept being like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm he so sorry. He someone. Like, you could have called the cops. I know. Like, he like fully thought that he was like being funny. And he was, it was like pitch black at that point. Like only, it's only like lightning lights. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that is like one, that was the worst of it. But like, I had many stories like that. And all of my fellow actors had many stories like that. And the reason I ended up leaving is because I was like, people are mean (laughs) like they're really mean like just don't fucking lay your hands on anyone no if you're gonna go somewhere to be scared let yourself be scared you don't have any right to say like well they came at me like you paid for that and it's also just like the things that they would say to you were really nasty because they knew that you couldn't break character like they would really but that's the thing is when you're putting people in a situation where they're getting scared like emotions are high adrenaline is high and like some people are bad people and so when you like don't have the filter of like what am I do like second guessing what you're doing right now Mm -hmm. like they're really not they're really nasty to people like you know and they would always I you know it, it is like meant to be scary but also once you sort of you know get through it it's like oh yeah well we're also playing a game and this person is like probably helping us out because like you do that you know you have a really strict set of rules on like after a certain amount of time you help them in certain ways so that they can at least like enjoy themselves and like if they're Mm -hmm. really stuck like you are there for entertainment and for the betterment of the game yeah and people like really just see you as this like awful like threat and they're just like this bitch talks to me I'm gonna punch her in the face and it's like Please remember that I'm at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm at, at work a minimum and wage job right now. So, like, please be oh, nice God. to me. Like, <laughs> I'm now wondering you know? if I've ever threatened somebody who was, like, being very scary. Yeah, it's don't just think like... I, I don't think I have. I think I've probably just been like, I don't like this. And I'm going to tell yeah. you right now that I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> like, so, as a joke, but, like, I've been very... But I like it. I mean, I'm, I like it. Yeah, I would have punched that guy in the face if he came up to me and kissed me. Like, that's such a violation. That's still a person who's doing a job that you are paying them to do. Inadvertently. Not working, doing it for fun, doing it as a hobby, does not matter. Don't fucking kiss somebody. Do not touch them. Do not grope them. You don't have the right to, no matter what job they are doing, without their permission. Yeah. Like, you could literally be a prostitute, and if somebody shoved you against the wall and grabbed your tits, not the fuck okay. No. Like, never okay. Never fucking okay, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was I'm a so wild sorry summer. that happened to you. Oh, I know. It was such a bummer, but I, you know, it, it I go back and forth because I still do some immersive theater and it's like mm-hmm. one of my like deep loves. But um, yeah, the thing about it is that it's like your audience really can have an effect on whether or not you're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like face to face with them. You are at work. Like make this pleasant for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also the kind of guy who doesn't think about that anywhere he goes no he's probably a dick to service professionals yeah so like how are you feeling about being single now <laughs> so I love being single there's um, so many good men out there just like good everybody's just like nice and just like good dudes um I I if this is a genuine question um I like it I like yeah. I like being alone 
Um, I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm in the dating scene, mm-hmm. um, at the moment. And you know, that's, I was, and I will be again, but right now I'm just so happy. And like, you said October is when you guys split up? Uh, not this last October, the October before. Oh, okay. October wow. 2018. Oh. So, um, yeah yeah it was it was right after it was the day after my mother's funeral Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. fuck and it took a while for me to like you know get through the pain Mm -hmm. and wrap my head around what just happened and um get used to the new normal get used to being a single mom Mm -hmm. uh and then like one day it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Obviously I was listening to lemonade when this happened (laughs) and I just was like, I'm a fucking badass bitch. I'm fucking like, I am, I'm fucking great. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Blind confidence. Uh, got me through it. I guess. Um, truly though, I was like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to live, so for me that yes. he's not going to fucking recognize the woman that he once knew. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, but, and part of living for me involves my daughter like that oh, yeah. because she is my whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't mean for me as in like, I'm the only thing that exists in my life. Part of like my life that I love is my bunnies and my cat and my dogs and my daughter. And yeah. those are all the things that, Oh, I have birds now and the birds. Um, I had a fish. He died. Oh, R.I.P. He had a short-lived life. Um, but yeah, I, I just all of a sudden I was like, I'm fucking, I, I'm, I'm a fucking woman. I'm a woman. This sounds crazy, but like, no, do I it. know I'm sounding crazy. You're but not like, sounding crazy. But I just had this. I was like, I'm very much like a sexual being, and being a mom yes. doesn't make make me less of a woman. The mm-hmm. two are not synonymous like Mm -hmm. being a mom and not being a woman I know it's insane that that's even a concept I have to and I've reminded so many of my friends that are mothers mothers that are in their 70s mothers that are in their 20s like you're still a woman Mm -hmm. you're still allowed to feel pleasure to feel Mm -hmm. anger to feel whatever you're feeling and it doesn't make you a bad mom or less than a mom in fact I think I'm an even better mother when I'm like truly like unapologetically a fucking woman yeah and um, I, I I do remember feeling an ounce of that while he and I were together that I sort of reached on my own. But then once I felt that pain and like that, w- that, that is how I got out of that very, very dark place. And I could only compare that level of depression to, um, and I think I've said this before on another podcast, maybe my own, but do you remember um, Melancholia, the movie? Oh. Yes. Like Kirsten Dunst in Melancholia was where I was at. Like I I couldn't eat. People were forcing me to eat. Um, And like if if there's something people know about me, it is that I never fucking struggle to eat. Yeah. (laughs) And I was I remember sitting there and my sister um, brought me a bowl of soup and she was. I couldn't even this was the first time ever that there were three days where I like couldn't be a parent. Mm. I mean I was trying so hard but Mm -hmm. I just was like there was just nothing it was like I was a hollow creature right and I and I was just crying every five minutes 
just bursting into tears and I couldn't like I kept forgetting what happened and then remembering it was one of the greatest traumas I've ever experienced and um yeah there was just this like cup of soup in front of me and my sister and she's younger than me so I'm used to like looking after her Mm -hmm. and she was like you gotta have one bite Brianna just one bite one bite and I'm like shaking because I haven't eaten in days and I haven't had any like I I'm it does not take long for me to look like emaciated right yeah and I and I was like shaking trying to pick up the spoon and I just like started gagging from the smell of it and we just started crying into this cup of soup and my daughter's at the table and my sister and it was just one of the darkest moments of my entire life um and I knew even though I couldn't, I knew I had to get out of that. Mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't sustain life this way. And I knew that like everything that just happened to me, none of it matters more than that little girl. Right. None of it does. Um, and so I got up and put on my big girl pants and fucking mommed the shit out of that baby. Yeah. And it, I took out everything in the house that reminded me of my ex. Mm hmm. I took out and I put in his studio, um, which is like off the, the house. It's on the property, but off the house. And I went and I bought new fucking pillows. And I, Amazing. I just remember like I was like that, you know, that level of depressed where you're like, I, it was, a, it was, I was coming out of it, but I was still very like deadpan as mm-hmm. I'm like, they're like, so what are we shopping for today? And I'm like, I need some fucking pillows. That don't remind me of my husband. Yeah. And I'm just and like, or I would go to a restaurant. They're like, what are we celebrating today? And I'd be like, oh, my parents died. Like, yeah. God bless. <laughs> and, um, some people like it. Some people freak out about it. And, um, but I got new fucking pillows and new motherfucking pictures in the house. Yeah. And new motherfucking bed sheets. Whatever works. Whatever fucking Whatever works. works. I got it. Doesn't it doesn't matter. I got a new bed. I got new shit. And I listened to Lemonade over and over and over again. Yeah. Amongst many other albums. But like Lemonade is yeah. so amazing. And listen, this is a podcast about confidence. You wouldn't believe how many times Beyonce has already been brought up. <laughs> I would be shocked and disappointed if she'd never come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And I just was like, I'm going to fucking, I, I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I want to do. I'm going, I want more of the shit that makes me happy mm-hmm. and I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to, um, just, I don't know. Yeah. Just blind confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I started doing stand up. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I didn't do stand-up until, like, all of that trauma happened. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then stand-up. That's great. Yeah, so that's, I guess, my, my my the story of confidence in my last few years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, you have a little distance from it. How are you feeling now? I mean, I guess, like, not too much since you just moved out of that house, but... I just moved out of that house. That was a really hard, uh, huge thing to do. I was crying a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but now I feel really really good mm-hmm. and um I stopped drinking again yeah and um yeah I feel I feel good I feel really confident just with myself and without the validation of like um a romantic attention yeah that's great because I mean you were young obviously when you met your ex-husband I was 21 whoa mm-hmm. and is he older than you um, by a few years, yeah. Mm. Well, how how old is he? Yeah, he's like four years older than me. 
Oh my God. So you guys were both so young. We were both really, really young. Yeah. And we were together for uh, almost eight years. Almost. Uh, I can't believe that you spent your whole My whole 20s. 20s. That's something I said to him. I was like, I gave you my fucking 20s. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. You did a lot of the big girl things that most people, at least in this generation, especially in Los Angeles, save for their 30s. Mm-hmm. And you did it all in your 20s. Mm-hmm. I mean, so now what? Are you going to like spend some time pretending like you're in your 20s? <laughs> no. Despite, I mean, you have a child. No, so there's a like child. a limitation. I on also that. don't want to. No. <laughs> you know, there was, I had a grief moment. Like after my father died, I had a few months where, uh, I mean, and I had already, I already kind of talked about this, but just how, like, my relationship with alcohol, and part of it was about escapism, mm-hmm. and um, so I sort of already had that, where I was, you know, I was doing it responsibly, I was getting a nanny, my mm-hmm. ex was on tour at the time, we were still together, um, and I, I would get a nanny many times a week, mm-hmm. and go out and get so wasted. Mm-hmm. Wasted just to the point, and and I had this, like, I wanted to, I couldn't really, like, see, I couldn't really define what I was doing at the time. I couldn't make sense of it. I was like, why is this just the new me? I don't know what's going on with me. I can't put any of this into words. But in retrospect, I was, like, going out and wanting to just follow the fun. Mm -hmm. I wanted, like, any, you could have suggested, like, let's all go get tattoos of dicks on our faces. And I would have been like, yeah, Yeah. that's a good idea. You were spending some time being a yes woman. I was being a yes woman. You know what it was? I was wanting to not be the person responsible for anything. Yeah. I wanted to not, because I, you know, I just planned a funeral for the most one of the most important people in, I mean, my, obviously my daughter, but like my papa was, yeah, my father was my person. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So I, between that and, you know, then my mother, when she was still alive and being a parent, I, I just, yeah, I just wanted to not have, I wanted to live outside that reality. I actually just texted to my sister the other day. I was like, sometimes, I really hate this reality. Yeah. I'm like at that level of grief where I'm I'm just like I wait I wake up and I'm like fuck I wish they were alive. Yeah. Fuck I wish he was still here. I yeah. just want to talk to him for like mm-hmm. one day. I just want to call him. Yeah. For a few minutes. Um and I just like really really hate that it's true. Mhm. So that's where I'm at now. But yeah. but still like I'm now in, you know, I'm coming up on the second anniversary of his death. So it is a lot easier. It's a lot better now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like not looking forward to that day coming. Um, yeah, don't. Don't look forward to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but good for you that you still have them. Hug them, yeah. hold them, love them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that um, I think about super consciously, especially at this age Um, and sort of wanting to. This was the first year that I didn't go home for Christmas and probably will be the only one because Mm -hmm. I just really always wanted to just have an independent you know, I didn't feel super connected to Ohio ever. And as soon as I moved to LA, I was like, oh, I'm home. And mm. I was 19. And I didn't know anyone here. I had nobody. And I stepped off the plane and I was like, oh, here I am. Like, this is it. And I just felt so much more connected to this place. And there's nothing that could tear me away from here. I That's love amazing. it here. I really do. I just feel like a super spiritual connection. And so I feel I love like what I've built here 
And I've always really wanted to have a Christmas in Los Angeles that is like my own and it's representative of like what I've built here. Also, I am not in this place anymore, but for the past several years, I really struggled with um, being single because I've never had a serious relationship in my life and I've never been in love. Oh, wow. I mean, I like had my like high school boyfriend when you know I was like 15 16 we dated for a year we were in love like but we weren't uh you know we weren't I mean you are for for that age you just are like not a fully yeah. developed person yet. yeah 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 and but other than that like I've I've been single my entire life not by choice just by like circumstance it just is what it is wow and I mean how old are you 28 28 um but I think I like kind of safe to say that you only started I feel like you can only count from 23 totally right totally because you and maybe even 24 or 25 because you're just settling in Mm -hmm. to yourself yeah I don't know it's so interesting because I know obviously I'm in a program like I'm surrounded by fellows by people who are um who I can like easily compare my life to and Mm. oh here comes the ice cream truck Again, <laughs> one of the competitors is here, <laughs> and then one will come when the sun comes down. Um, one day I'll buy from them, <laughs> never have. But I, you know, people still date when they're in addictions, they get married when they're in addictions, like That's they, true. you know, people still live totally normal lives, and some people do it really unhealthily, some people do it in a way, some people are serial monogamous, some people are serially single. Like, I don't know, I've just always felt like such an other in that category. Mm. And it just, yeah, never, ever was like something that I had. And for a long time, I really wanted it. And it just wasn't happening. I have developed a theory now um, that I, you know, whatever I like feel fine about. I saw my astrologer this week and he confirmed said theory. But (laughs) wait, what are you going to tell us the theory? Um. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. You do not have to. You do not have <laughs> I'll to. I'll say tell this. The I'll theory. say that there's like um I think there's like a spiritual task that I know I've had. Like I would say maybe like two years ago. I was like, Oh, this is a spiritual task that like the universe has assigned to me mm-hmm. that I think I have to my theory is that I have to check it off okay before I'm gonna be given anyone that could ever be called like my boyfriend whether it's like the person or not yeah yeah Yeah. okay yeah okay um but I now I am in a totally different place and I'm like very chill about my dating life like very happy with everything that's going on Mm -hmm. very whatever about it and so that was the other part of it is that it's like oh like you know milestones I have a tendency to be like oh wow I've been single for this long like oh I've wanted like a boyfriend for this long and look it's another opportunity where maybe I could bring someone home and I'm not or whatever and so I kind of wanted to challenge myself this year and be like am I lying to myself like do I really feel that way like if I wake up on Christmas and I'm alone and it's just like me and my dog am I really okay with that because for a long time I was always like oh wouldn't it be cool if I had like a long-term boyfriend and then I went home with his family on Christmas or something or just the conversation of like who's where are we going yeah. for Christmas? Maybe Sometimes I'm bringing him just up a conversation is what yeah. you, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was kind of like a challenge too. Um, and yeah, so I did it and I was like, cool. I was like, cool. I feel good. Like this was, you know, it wasn't like easy all the time. I totally missed my family. Um, but I like felt good about it. But now I also feel like I'm like, okay, cool. I did that. And now, 
you know, my parents are, I'm going to spend every waking moment with my parents that I can. Yeah. After that. Yeah. I think it is really good to like choose to have a Christmas without your family. And I I think it like, it makes you appreciate the following Christmases even more. I, I did two Christmases without my parents, like while they were still alive. And, um, just the one was just, I was so glad I did it Mm -hmm. even though they're dead now. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still so glad that I had that Christmas where like, you know, I sent them their presents and called them and FaceTimed Mm -hmm. them and had my own little traditions that I, that we did. And, and, uh, it was when we were living in New York. So that was a big part of it. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, and it, you know, it was snowy and I was in the middle of Manhattan in a studio apartment and we like Mm -hmm. built a tent, like a fort in the living room and watched Harry Potter and, I was like, this is just, this was a nice mm-hmm. break. Like one year without the insane holiday yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've been reflecting on family like quite a bit this year, especially because it was only within the past few years that I was like, oh, I want to have my own army of children. And it was only recently too that I decided I've been like really fixated on buying a house one day for a long time. And I was like, oh no, I want to build a house that I can like pass on to my children and I want to like build like I wanna, like buy land and like build an estate and I want to yeah. build an extra house on the property so that my parents can move there and like have all these kids and like pass down this house and like all this sort of like lineage stuff and then also this year I've been on like a little bit of a journey because my um so we my father lost his father when he was five so mm. never knew grandpa and then lost And then his mother got dementia when we, and like put into a home when I was super young. So I only have like vague, you know, we just like didn't really have his parents. And then my mom's parents were super like young and agile and like lived really close. And so we were really involved with them for a long time. And then unfortunately the relationship fell apart and like my mom and I, and my mom and I, my mom and dad and I hard cut them off. Like no more contact. Whoa. Um, three I guess three years ago and then my grandpa died and I didn't have any really like feelings about it because I made that decision like when I cut them off I was like they will die and I will not be a part of this yeah you do have to kind of you got to think about that you do have to think about that and so my grandpa died and I had already gone through that process of like, okay, I'm making this choice. And so I didn't have too many feelings about it, but my grandma did not allow my mom at the funeral. Um, which is a huge bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my mom really wanted to be there. Um, but then his birthday came along and I called my mom and I was like, I guess today would have been grandpa's birthday, huh? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, when did he die? Cause like, I didn't really remember when. And she was like, it's, it'll be like almost two years. And in that moment I was kind of like, how are you doing about that? And she felt okay. But I got to remind myself to check in with her about Mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah. A little more often, but I mean, I'm on my own journey with it because my grandma's side also is the Spanish side of my family that Mm -hmm. I feel really, um, it's like, I really want to know more about that culture. And Mm -hmm. I was raised with a certain amount of it without like thinking about it. But I was also raised like, I mean, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I identify as white. I experience all of the same like white privilege in the world Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I would with or without that in my lineage. But it was, it was like part of my childhood. It was definitely part of my mom's childhood. Mm -hmm. It took me until like this year to be like, Oh, she's biracial. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And, um, so actually for Christmas, my mom, 
she obviously like picked up on that I think a little bit and she got me this um she got I'll show it to you she got me this empty cookbook and put in all of our like family recipes Aww. in there and so there's like six I know I I open it and I burst out crying I was oh like, my god like, so <laughs> I got FaceTime with my mom I was like no I love it so much <laughs> and so um and then there's all these like empty spaces now that like I get to fill up with all yeah. of like my recipes. Oh, I love this obsession with like I lineage know. and your yeah, and like the lasting impression that you Yeah, like I definitely want to go to Spain. I want to go find like I'm sure the town where my grandma's family lived because like what I I think if I'm remembering this correctly like she was the youngest of all of her siblings and her mom was pregnant with her when they came across Mm. when they came through Ellis Island so she was actually technically born here but like all of her siblings grew up in this like um village in Spain and we had this like painting of it in our house of like their house without the running water and like whole old school like Spanish village and I like want to go see it and like connect with all that stuff oh man I yeah I my my father's mother went or both of his parents went through Ellis Island uh, and like going there is insane yeah just like because they wouldn't talk about it and you know if they wouldn't talk about it it might have been a really bad I know hard thing that they went through and if you walk through you're like oh yeah this is not a place you want to stay the night no this is not this is not a, a a lovely place um and you just see like the drawings on the wall and you're like, wonder if there's anything, just even one line, just mm-hmm. something that's like, that's like been etched in from them mm-hmm. or like a footprint that they left here somehow. Yeah. Um, I'm so fast. I, I missed out on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Going and seeing the specific villages and stuff like that. I was really young uh, when his mother died. I don't think I was alive when his father died. I can't remember but um yeah I I mean I I will say that so I got married in Rome and my chic thank y'all yeah um and my father was born here after his parents went through Ellis Island and uh he'd always wanted to like go to Italy Mm -hmm. And before he died, um, I like I flew him out for my wedding and he Mm. got to see the Vatican. Yay! And he didn't go down to Sicily, which is where his parents were from. But um, just like him seeing the Vatican was a very, very big deal for him. And like getting a rosary that had been blessed and stuff like that, like all of that was just a huge deal. And just like to be able to like provide that for him and have that. Oh, I'm I'm dying for it. Like. It's so hard. I mean, I have never been more broke in my life and I'm like crawling my way out of it. And, you know, I think this time of extreme poverty has helped me break some like bad habits that got me here in the first place. But (laughs) it's hard because like, you know, I'm not I hate that. No, truly no judgment on anyone except for myself. But like, yeah, I have to borrow money from my parents sometimes. And every time Mm -hmm. I just get so sad because I'm like this just means I'm like farther and farther away from being able to like build a house for you here where you can come whenever you want. And like, they know, they know that I'm like, I have this grand plan where like my brother is probably going to start having babies soon. And I'm saying, I'm like, okay, okay. So like they can have their babies and cause they live on the East coast. So, you know, you guys, you guys stay over there, blah, blah, blah. And then you guys will be done having babies. And by that time I'll be like having a million of them. And so then you move over here because they're done. You don't, they don't need you. They don't need you anymore. Their kids are going to be like sick. So they're going to be fine. Oh my God. They'll be totally fine. 
like and so then you move here and then you live with me and then you sell all of your houses in Ohio and so then it's like hey you make back all the money that I borrowed from you like oh my god (laughs) this is so cute if I was your parents I'd be like take all our money the plan is is too cute to pass up take all our money yeah but it's like (laughs) it and every time it's always like you don't have to do that you don't have to do that and I was like yeah I know that I don't have to do that I'm not like I don't have this plan out of guilt. I have this plan out of like desire. Like I yeah. want this to be the reality. I want to be able to like give you guys all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. also I feel like that's pretty brutal for a lot of people in our um, generation because like, is this economy going to allow us to like no. pay back our parents in the way that we all wa- wish we could? No, no, no it's no. not. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, just the cost of living is so high. That's so high. It's just outrageous. It's outrageous that like anybody who works for a billion dollar corporation should need to get government help. It's like yeah. this is like something I've been focused on all week after uh, seeing like a vice or something or other video on a girl that like. I she looked very young I can't remember if she said her age or not but she looked like she had to be under 24 and she was completely on her own uh you know no other it didn't seem like she had any other help from family and she had a son and she's like I work at McDonald's they are allowed to send me home if it's like not busy enough and I just don't get my hours she's like I she's like I hate that I have government assistance Mm -hmm. but it's insane that the government has to pay while McDonald's is making billions of dollars mm-hmm. like a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact numbers on that, but, but there, I mean, it's McDonald's like yeah. nobody who works there should have to get yeah government assistance. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, at all, not at all. Yeah. You, did you go to college? I went to some college. I'm a dropout. Do you have any debt from it? No. Yeah. See, Cause I went to good, community college, so I don't smart. have, I mean, no, I wish I'd finished college. I wish I'd, I wish I'd gotten a little bit of debt instead of not finishing college personally, because I like wanted to major in biological anthropology and, um, it's yeah. I, something you need a college degree something for. Something you need a college right. degree for. Um, I, 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 I do wish that I'd finish it. I think if you're majoring in like, especially a science thing, but anything you want, I think college is very good. Yeah. It's fucked that people have to be in this much debt. Yeah. It's fucked that people are like have their student debt to pay back on top of just trying to like yeah. get an entry-level job with like the the degree that they got from that yeah it's super scary I mean mm-hmm. it, looking around it's I'm terrified of this mm-hmm. whole society yeah <laughs> yeah I'm super just, scared I yeah, it's terrifying. And, you know, like um, L- like a hot topic with L.A. housing is gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from La Puente, which is now kind of gentrified. It's 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 weird. It kind of just started to get a lot nicer because um, the neighboring town um, like had a lot of Korean businesses pop up mm-hmm. and a lot of the real estate was bought up by Korean families and um it was just a lot of money and then they i think just wanted to like throw money at la puente to make it not mm. such a like ghetto mm. nasty ass mm-hmm. <laughs> like not a shithole like i i mean shithole in an endearing way like i love la puente so 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 much like that's right. my fucking town but like for real it was shady as hell mm-hmm. and like so i think that's what's happened here in la so i just moved to highland park as a white woman and I know that that is 
in a way a contribute I'm contributing to gentrification I, yeah so am I I mean yeah my my street I might be one of three renters like everyone else are Hispanic families that have been here for eternity yeah yeah and so the positive there are positive and ne- positives and negatives to this one like these cities like Highland Park is truly the edge of Los Angeles mm-hmm. so, you, so for the people that have to um drive into LA for especially for lower level positions mm-hmm. especially for minimum wage positions that mm-hmm. can't afford to live in the city they're now having to spend more in gas yeah to get to the city because you're pushing them out yeah and it's it, like the less affordable these outer cities are the harder you make it for families to survive LA right. is such a massive city we have what 10 million people occupying Los Angeles mm-hmm. We have so many jobs here that people on these like outskirt cities are working. Right. And it's just making it harder for families to like move up. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing is like the um, dismissal of culture. Right. And and removal of it and the trampling of it. I get really, really angry when I hear somebody talk about Highland Park or any area and say, and this is something that I overheard another family say at my daughter's school, which I like hate the parents at my daughter's school so much (laughs) not all of them but like 90 percent of them right and i overheard this family being like oh we looked in highland park it's still got a long way to go Uh, 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 excuse uh, the fuck me it's got a long way to go i think it's doing fine the way it is do you need do you mean that it needs to be like de-hispanic like what do you mean it needs to be whitewashed it needs to be whitewashed for you like it I was so, I just sat there with Amelia. We were in like the restaurant across the street from the school. And I was like, I fucking hate these people. I hate these people. Mm-hmm. The power of a thousand suns. Yeah. It makes me so angry. Um, but also here I am buying a brand new build in mm. Highland Park. And um, I would hope that I'm a person that is not like, I, the other thing I will say is a friend of mine, his family, I was talking about gentrification. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, my parents bought their house in Highland Park like 40 years ago or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and he was like, they, for them, this is the American dream. Yeah. Because they they bought their house for what they could and they worked hard and they paid it off. And now it's a completely paid off house. And they obviously bought it for sure, like, sure, sure. I, I don't know, $100,000 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and they were like, he was like, now they're going to sell their house for almost a million dollars. Oh, hell yeah. They See, are going I'm to cash too. in. He's like, and they're at that age where he's like, they're going to cash in and buy a fucking mansion in Riverside. Yeah. Like, that's what they're going to do. Like, they, yeah. this is them, their American dream is coming here, putting in roots, working really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and then like that hard work, this, their hard work Paying is just paid off. off. Yeah. Big time. Which is amazing. And yes. I'm just, like, I was like, oh, fuck Yeah. Yeah. So there's like that that right there made me believe in like moving to Highland Park yeah. being a well, good thing. Well, it's the difference between like a voluntary and an involuntary experience. Yes. But I do think that something I struggle with is I really hate capitalism. I hate it. I hate yep. it. I hate it. Everything yep. about me it. Too. I want to burn it all down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it sucks when you have to um, participate in it. Mm-hmm. But you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I see it is like I really have like big plans to become filthy fucking rich so that I can <laughs> redistribute that wealth the way that I wish that the government would. And you got to play that game. You got to play that game better me than someone game. else because yeah. there's a bunch of assholes out there that want to hoard the wealth and I really want to. I'm super committed 
every day to yeah. be able to reach that dream so that I can have everything that I want and then take everything else. And like, you know, it's, it's like I mentioned with the, that house that I want to build. I want to mm-hmm. build that house. And like, that's what my kids are getting. Like they're not going to be left with some kind of fortune. They're going to be left with a house that's going to stay in the family and be meaningful, et cetera, et cetera. But all of the different ways that I can help along the way mm-hmm. and do what I think is right is yeah. why I want to become filthy rich. Yeah. Not- and I think, I mean, there are, there are little ways that even like we're not powerless. And I, I do try to preach that like, our greatest power in this country is as a consumer. Like that's mm-hmm. how we put our money where our mouth is. Yeah, it's true. In day to day. Obviously voting is huge, mm-hmm. but we are living in corporate America. Yeah. So like, you know, as much as we can or just being conscious and yeah. trying to give money to local brands, local companies, mm-hmm. companies run by women, people mm-hmm. of color, you know, bonus points if it is a woman of color yeah Um, major point bonus points (laughs) super bonus points um yeah you know like putting giving like your money to small businesses yeah whose values align with your own and just try I mean hey lord jesus if I don't fucking love McDonald's french fries yeah like I it's I can't stop they're so good um but I'm conscious of it and I'm trying, I try not to. And I like, you do what you can. You do what you can. I got an electric car. That's a step. That's a huge That's a thing step. That, I, that I was able to do. And I did. Yeah. Um, we're all doing our best. We're all doing our best. I stopped post mating. Great. Because money and also plastics. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, no, no, like new plastics in my home as yeah. much as I mean. I I've to get really, milk. I mean, I would say I've become super environmentally conscious over the past year, and like this house is really like turned upside down with the yeah. way that we're like so much more environmentally conscious now. But yeah, also working with brands that you really believe in, which brings me to I didn't know this when I booked you, but you have a little brand collab going on with oh, the I ring. Just, I did. I just did a brand collaboration with I did, was not even meaning to bring this up, but with no, a company I love that it. I, I love... really like stand by their values. When we were doing our um, contracts, um, I I put in this was how we got into discussion. I knew what their company was all about and what it represented. But I also was like, hey, I really need um, something written in the contract that if at any point I feel that your values do not align with mine. I'm allowed to pull this product. Great. Um, and he was like, completely fine. Yeah. Let's talk values. How do you feel about Trump? Great. And I That's was amazing. like, and I was like, immediately we were on the same page, um, which yeah, felt, I'm, I mean, really good. It just feels good to like work with a company that you're like, this is the owner of the company that I'm talking to that I'm just like, yes, we are fucking completely on the same page. I'm so glad. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I know that their values align with mine. I know, uh, that, it, you know, it's just, they stand for something really incredible and yeah. And I designed this ring that I really love and I, wow. And I wear a lot. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What a cool opportunity. Yeah. And what's the company called? It's called Isai. Isai. Like I-S-S-A-I. Amazing. And so people listening can go buy the ring. You can. You can go buy the ring on my Instagram. I've put the link up. Great. Yeah. Thanks. I love it. Thanks for helping me promote that. I didn't oh, my think, gosh. I didn't course. even think of that. I'm, um, the, I'm yeah. the queen of the plugs. Is there <laughs> anything else you want to plug? Um, I mean, my podcast is um, My Dead Parents. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and that's about it. That's about it? Yeah. Great. Where can the people find you on Instagram? My handle is Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-A, Helders, H-E-L-D-E-R-S. 
Do you like Brianna or Brie better? Brie. I go by Brie more commonly. Yeah. Because it's just spelled so, so oddly. It's so hard for me to not say, like, so trashy. But it's, yeah, I was named walking into an IHOP. So, (laughs) (laughs) what, by a teenager. So, I mean, that was really as good as we were going to get. I'm named after my mom's sorority mascot. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank Great. you so much for being my guest. <laughs> thank you for having You're me. You're phenomenal. On. <laughs> Everyone, you go follow her on Instagram. <laughs> go listen to her podcast. Um, it's very funny. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.